never say die! Fourteen. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 264 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and because this week we are talking about bands led by strong female leads and not strong female solo artists, Pat's not going to have to endure 90 minutes of me going, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. I think you you should just on principle. (laughs) I'm not going to join the solo show if you're going to cover Shaka Khan. Wait, what were you saying, Mike? Shaka Khan. (laughs) Can you consider Shaka Khan a, a, a band? I mean, she had backup. No, she's not a band. That's what his point is. I thought Shaka like Khan that. was like a whole group. No, Shaka like Khan is a person. I mean, I, yeah, I know she was a person too, but I, I thought it was like Shaka Khan is... Well, no, she wasn't playing every instrument. Yes, she had a backup band. Oh, she's definitely not as good as I thought she was then. <laughs> if you like Shaka Khan, and who doesn't, <laughs> you might like the shows on the Podcast Collective, such as The Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, I Am Salt Lake, Talk Music to Me, Mom and the New Dad. And of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. <laughs> yep. And uh, if you're looking for our older stuff, we're on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, iHeartRadio, and leave us a review on Podchaser. Ha, you got it. Dot com. Yes. I was about to tell him, no, it's Catcher. Shut up. <laughs> dick uh 708 now rap that's 708-669-9727 if you want to leave us some uh voicemails which we don't have any this week but i think we no, may... we really don't have any this yeah week. we really don't have any this <laughs> week double checked we, we we may get some uh after this for people you know band bands that you can't believe we didn't talk about so. yeah we're only doing four from uh then and four from now one for each of us so don't like get your torches and pitchforks because yeah it's going to be a pretty small field because we're going to try and go a little in depth yeah we looked at how long the other music shows have gone and we're like we don't have another three and a half hours to spare for this show so <laughs> it's been a while since we did a music show though and there may be a part two or three you know if, if you like it so yeah just do the solos like mm-hmm. dudes. Shaka I, dudes. Can, I can talk about my love for celine dion what that's not true I have a little bit more respect for her after Deadpool 2, but I'm still not a fan. She was in Deadpool 2? Well, she did the music video and the, the main love song. Oh. I thought she was like a character. Oh, no, dude. That would have been funny if she like... Was like uh, one of the one of the grunts? <laughs> yeah, or, or like uh, like a villain he fights early on. Someone she gets like gets knocked off the top of the ship in the end of the movie. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, Josh, is it about that time? I think so. All right. This week in music, movies, and TV. Chaka Khan. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, this week we went with November eighteenth, nineteen eighty-one, was the release of Joan Jett's album "I Love Rock and Roll." I think that is a solid choice, considering none of us chose to talk about the Runaways. Spoiler yep. alert. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, I have one of their first albums it's in my dad's collection. I just noticed it the other day. I was looking through I Runaways, remember, I mean. Oh, I remember when that, that song was big. And the video, and it was on the air all the time. That was a big song. Man. It's a good song, though. Very good song. Yeah. Speaking of songs, music. Oh. 
<laughs> the top songs this week were uh, the th- number three spot, Waiting for a Girl Like You by Foreigner, Private Eyes by Daryl Hall and John Oates, and the number one song in the land was Physical by Olivia Newton-John. That's a solid showing right there. I was going to say, this is a really nice grouping of songs that I like, and I'm not entirely proud that I like them. Oh, come on. Private Eyes is fantastic. No, that song sucks. Oh, I hate you. I love some Daryl Hall and John Oates songs, but that's not one of them. Yeah, I, that's that's definitely probably the biggest. I, I like this song, but I'm not proud that I like it. Mm. Yeah, I don't hate it. It's just a very uh, cheesy in a bad way song. But I for sure would turn up the radio if any of these three came on. Although, to be fair, physical is only in that category because of the video. Like, as a song, it's only okay. Yeah, I, I agree th- with that. Yeah, I like what she did with the video. And everybody was expecting... Well, what the song's about. Yeah. But right. Then, she's got a whole bunch, you know, of large like, people working out. It's like that show that was on at three in the morning that you watched when you were sick with the workout girls and the leg warmers. Body electric? No, 30 minute, 30 minute workout. Sit and be fit? No, Patrick. Sit and be fit. <laughs> That's been trying that for years. It's not working. So anyway, uh, on November 13th, Ringo Starr released a single, Rack My Brain, which I'm trying to rack my brain for that song. I have absolutely no idea what, what song that is. It just was a random fact that fit into the tree. Rack I mean, it's my Ringo, brain. So. I mean, I, I, I like the, the Beatles a lot. I don't even know what that fucking song is. Huh. That's not the Beatles. Yeah, it is. Anyway. Keep moving. <laughs> released November 14th. Ray. So he was in the Beatles, right? Yes. So okay. it's Pete Best. making sure you knew that. It was also in Thomas the Tank Engine, but it is n- also not a Thomas the Tank Engine song. <laughs> do, 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 do. Anyway, uh, release number 14th, Raise by Earth, Wind, and Fire was released. We said released twice. It was later named Billboard's Album of the Year. Oh, so weird. Okay, there was a schmutz on my screen. I was like, Razel is such a weird album title. <laughs> you got a lot of screen schmutz problems. Yeah, I should probably wash this monitor. We're just going to leave that right there. I was going to say, let's let that pass without comment. (laughs) (laughs) Stop taking it on your mud bogging trips. One or the other. Pass in peace. (laughs) And finally, a couple sues ACDC for $250,000 because their telephone number is in the song Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, which resulted in hundreds of prank calls. The songs 362436 digits were followed by a hey, which to his clients sounded like an eight. Uh, what does it matter what his clients sounded like? They're not calling themselves. Well, I mean, that seems pretty. But it seems like a reach. But they did get hundreds of prank calls, so apparently to hundreds of people, it also sounded like an eight. Yeah. Well, I mean, all you need is hundreds, you know, out of the millions. To... Yeah. Well, Lee, Lisa wasn't uh, Tommy Two Tone. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how many people's lives were ruined by that song. <laughs> There's probably a website about it. Let's yeah, the guy who had the number um, eventually had you know yeah had disconnected and never, yeah it was not Transylvania. There, is a, there is a story behind it. I remember reading it before. Hmm. All right, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was Time Bandits, excellent, Yay. which was knocked off this week by Absence of Malice. Yeah. I don't even know that one. I don't either. Uh, <clears throat> I think I've I think I've seen it just because. I remember it. I just don't remember what it's about or who was in it or anything. I just remember the name. Paul Newman and Sally Field. Oh, very 80s. I think it's like a, like a uh, divorce movie, if I remember correctly. A drama. Drama-rama. Like a Kramer versus Kramer, yeah. Hmm. It was a different time, though, if Time Bandits was number one. That's a good thing. It's yep. a good time, yeah. Yeah, wait. Uh, 
Legal drama from Sidney Pollack. Sally Field stars as Megan, a newspaper reporter who, based on information from the FBI investigator Rosen, played by Bob Balaban, writes a scathing article that implicates Gallagher, a reclusive business owner, played by Paul Newman. Bob Balaban is, is a good actor. I like him. Like hmm. I said, the horse movie. Yeah. Apparently, I have no idea what that movie was about. It's got Wilford Brimley, too. What? It's got, hey, it's got the Brimley. It's on the list. Diabetes. Sidney Pollack. So, I mean, right there, you've got a pretty good uh, reason why it probably took over number one. Right. All right. Enid Markey was an American actress of theater, film, and television. She originated the role of Jane in films, having twice played the character in 1918's uh oh, (laughs) Tarzan of the Apes and the Romance of Tarzan. Markey acted on stage and in vaudeville, another giveaway, before <laughs> turning to motion pictures. Her first film role was in The Fortunes of War, and her last appearance was in The Boston Strangler. During the 1950s and 1960s, she appeared in several television guest starring roles, including The Andy Griffith Show as Barney Fife's landlady Mrs. Mendelbright, and in an episode of Gomer Pyle USMC as Grandma Pyle. Holy oh. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. On November 15th, Marky died in Bayshore, New York, at the age of 87. She died. Nobody saw that coming. And I didn't even see it coming. (laughs) All right. Morgan Conway was an American actor best known for his portrayals of a certain detective in the movies Dick Tracy and the acronym of the week, DTVC, which I'm pretty sure is Danny Trejo's Vampire Cock. (laughs) <laughs> dude i would watch that let's, you, get, that, let's get that going I can, once again if they can pitch sharks in a, in a, in a sharks in a tornado so danny trejo his penis is a vampire i'll get him on the phone right now it sells itself he'd be like uh oh, sure why not who wrote this danny trejo <laughs> he wrote it himself Glue <laughs> glue a little pair of those fake like, wax fangs on it. <laughs> the piece that was left uh, of him after the uh, band exploded and from dusk till dawn. Yeah, he's just, just running around. Going, that, but I hate to ruin the fun. No, but that's that you were incorrect. Oh, uh, what was it? It is Dick Tracy versus Cue Ball. Hmm, the classic. Close. Yeah. All right. Even though his performance has often been touted as the best, he was replaced after two films because audiences didn't think he resembled Dick Tracy enough. He died of lung cancer on November 13th. That's odd. That's a, huh. That's a shame because, I mean, do you want the better actor or the one who looks like it? Apparently they wanted the one who looks like him. Yeah, he Apparently. looks nothing like Dick Tracy. Well, he really? Well, yeah, I, I just pulled up a picture of him, too, and he does not look very much like Dick Tracy. He looks he looks more like Dick Tracy than uh, what's his name did Warren Warren Beatty, Warren Beatty did yeah <laughs> does he look more like Dick Cavett no it's not what well, we're I don't even know okay okay <laughs> so TV of oh, the top TV shows in the land were Dallas 60 Minutes The Jeffersons and Three's Company wow yeah that is such a perfect lineup for 1981 wow uh, shows that premiered this week included Strike Force this week. McLean's Law and Simon and Simon. I like I Simon and Simon. That was a that was a decent show. I've only heard of that one though. I'm yeah. sure this is a new show, but Strike Force that sounds kind of cool. Yep. And then on November 16th, 16- Strike, Strike Force. Real quick, sorry. Strike Force was an uh, early Aaron Spelling show. Oh, oh really? Oh, really? Yep. yep. Ah, 
So uh, November 16th, 16 million people tune in to watch as Luke married Laura on the long-running TV soap opera General Hospital. Do you guys remember that was such a big deal? Yep. It was huge. I mean, it's no the wonder that wedding that had more people watch it at that time was uh, Prince and Diana, or Prince and Diana. <laughs> Prince and Diana. <laughs> Dirty Diana. Ooh, no. No, Prince married Diana Sawyer. I didn't think they got married. But yeah, that's the only. That's what, that's so sad. It's the number two wedding ever watched. In the- Crazy. <laughs> that's the power of television, though. At least at the time. Wow. Sports pet. What? <laughs> Is that my up. turn? It's your yeah. turn. Let me finish chewing what I just stuck in my mouth. Damn it. I think he's talking to you. <laughs> when I step on your foot. <laughs> all right, moving on. Sports. On November 14th, Paul Bear Bryant tied the then record for all-time college football coaching wins with his 314th win. He ended his career with 323 wins, which was number one all-time when he retired, but is number seven all-time now. That's still pretty respectable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just thinking that, too. To be in the top ten in anything professional like that is pretty pretty impressive. For that long. Pretty- Seventh. That's not a huge stretch. Nope. John Jack Henry Webb Fingleton, born on April 28, 1908, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> was an Australian cricketer who was trained as a journalist and became a political and cricket commentator after the end of his playing career. A stubborn opening batsman known for his dour defensive approach, he scored five test centuries, representing Australia in 18 tests between 1932 and 1930. He was also known for his involvement in several cricket diplomacy incidents, incidences, I don't know why that one got, you know, incidents in his career, accused of leaking the infamous verbal exchange between Australian captain Bill Woodfull and English manager Plum Warner during the acrimonious Bodyline series. Who can yes. forget that? Yes, that series. <laughs> That's the one we're talking about, people. Don't worry, don't worry, we'll address it. The acrimonious one. <laughs> And later of causing sectarian tension within the team by leading a group of players of Irish Catholic descent and undermining the leadership of the Protestant Don Bradman. Who wrote this shit? Oh, my Don God. Bradman, who okay. is, one, is the most famous cricketer ever. Who? I remember him, yeah. Yeah. yeah Don but, Bradman's one of the, the Mount Rushmore guys. You got to yeah, say, though, that's kind of ballsy for with the whole Irish Catholics and Protestant thing. Yes, especially when they're all on the field with those cricket bats. <laughs> well, I mean, you start starting that up in the locker room. I mean, when, oh my god, <laughs> you go in the locker room and there's a literal fence in the middle. <laughs> anyway, he had his last ad bet on November twenty second, nineteen eighty one. There you go. Absorbed. On November seventeenth, the New York Knicks Bill Cartwright tied the record of nineteen of nineteen free throws in a row. Yeah, in a game. Yep. Wow. On the way to the parking lot. He just headed to his car. And lastly, on November 19th, Philadelphia Phillies third baseman Mike Schmidt won his second consecutive National League. Oh, good for him. Mike Schmidt was a hell of a player. I just can't believe you have the balls to bring up the body line series again. (laughs) So so acrimonious. I know, right? That's the only reason I left. Don't worry, we'll be talking about it. (laughs) Because there was so much there that was just like, wow, this is so much win. Uh all Stubborn right. opening batsman. Our right. defensive approach. Uh, body line. Body line. Chaka Khan. The infamous body line series. You know, I have I have people that I work with that are from India, and I'm going to ask them. You know, they're big into cricket. I'm going to ask them if they know about the body line series, and I will, guys, I'll let you know if they punch me. <laughs> it's for them. It's like religion, <laughs> politics, yeah. the body line series. Yeah. Mike gets punched <laughs> in the face. What? Too acrimonious. <laughs> Uh, on that note, take us out, keyboard Joel. No, 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 Tucker Khan. <laughs> you can be ready for that, Pat. 
I think it's going to be the rest of the show with that. So uh, for the for the show this week, we decided that we were going to go. We talked about doing another music show, and we bounced around some ideas, threw some out, and realized that we have not done a uh, women's band. We we started calling it Chick Rock, but it's a little bit more than that. It's definitely more than that. But it's bands that have really strong female leads. So. Yeah, where like even if it's not necessarily an all girl band, like when you think of the band, you think of the female front woman, right? As opposed to the male front woman. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> Stop being so sacrilegious. It's talking about the female frontman. <laughs> Don't be so dour, Josh. Uh, body line all over again. <laughs> but yeah, so each of us chose one from uh, the then and one from the now, and uh, can we just? Some info about them, why we like them, and you know if we can figure up, we find anything, some trivia on them also. But uh, but yeah. we purposely uh, just just be clear, we did not pick like some of the like huge bigger names to talk about because we kind of like in a way wanted to try to introduce maybe some to some people. So, we right. went with ones that we personally had a connection with in one way or the other that we right. liked. Right. I actually went the the opposite direction, making sure some of the bases that I felt needed to be covered were rather than necessarily my personal. Favorite because I probably could have gone a little more (laughs) off the beaten path, but it would have felt wrong to not talk about my two picks. Well, no, that's good. I mean, we got some of the solid ones in there that uh, you know the listeners will know about, and I'm sure you know with Joel. I mean, he's always. (laughs) And then there's Joel's picks. Yeah, Joel's picks. You guys immediately kibosh the one that I would have uh, uh, chosen right off the bat, which is probably good because we get a little bit more diversity. Instead, he's got some Slovenian throat singer. Dude, that's next show. Right. Just wait. So wait till we do the throat singing show. Oh. (laughs) Throat singing show. I don't want to do that. It's (laughs) not what you think it is. Not even when Pat says it. (laughs) Trivia and throat singer show. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds kind of like what Mike thinks it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the order I put us in is the order that we introduce ourselves because I wasn't feeling very original and I forgot about yeah. alphabetical. So, um, <clears throat> so I'm going to lead in, uh, for my, then my band choice was Susie and the Banshees, which I highly doubt any of you were surprised by. No solid choice. Uh, another one kind of from my line of thinking, like someone I feel deserves a spot in this show for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's Susie and the Banshees very, uh, post-punk new wave is what I've got her listed down as, um, l- a lot assortment of songs in there that she has done that a lot of people do not know, but then there's a lot of songs in there that you hear the first couple notes and you're like, oh yeah, I know exactly what this is. Um, my favorite song for them is a cover of De- Dear Prudence from the Beatles, which uh, <clears throat> if you're familiar with Susie Sue's voice, she's got a really deep, soulful voice um, and can really pull out some amazing harmonies with the team, with the uh, band that she's with. Uh, but the song that most people probably know is Cities in Dust, which most people, I've got that right here, which most people will recognize immediately from hearing the opening so opening uh, notes for it. So here we go. I'm going to have to check out Dear Prudence at some point. Oh, the Dear Prudence is amazing. But here, here she is.
I know so, that song. Yeah, everybody knows that. Song. Well, not everybody knows that song, but enough people know that song. Um, the cool kids. Yeah, that's uh, you know, and it, it got um a lot of replay back when uh oh, what was the movie with the assassin going back to his high school reunion, Josh? Gross Point. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gross Point Blank. Yeah, it was on the Gross Point Blank soundtrack, and it got some uh. You know, re re come back play from that. Uh, band members, of course, Susie Sue, uh, all came out uh, with it. You definitely recognize her dark hair, black, uh, lots of black, uh, which you'll definitely figure out by who else she uh, sang with. Uh, Steve Severin uh, is another member of the band, but other people have rotated in. Uh, Marco Peroni, who also played with Adam Ant and Sinead O'Connor. Sid Vicious, uh, Robert Smith was the original guitarist. And, uh, yeah, no, 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 oh. I'm sorry. I put them in the wrong spot. Steven Severin, was he? What? Ah, friggin' cut and paste. Anyway, I'll go, I'll check that out. Knox Chandler was a guitarist, worked, who also worked with, uh, the Psychedelic Furs, R.E.M., and, uh, toured with Cindy Lauper and Lou Reed. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely some, uh, yeah. Jobs. Yes, definitely good jobs. Uh, so here's the deal with them, with them getting together. Susie Sue and Steve Severin met at the Roxy Music Concert back in the late 70s and one, and um, kind of lamenting what they described as like almost the end of punk because there wasn't anything really coming up, up and coming from them afterwards. They were kind of bored with the music. Uh, got to know each other, started playing together, uh, and eventually they wound up on stage as an unnamed band at the 100 Punk Club Festival. Uh the um, Sex Pistols manager had organized this entire uh, festival. One of the bands dropped out, and they suggested that they get up on stage and play with a borrowed guitarist and drummer, which the guitarist was Marco Peroni, and uh, John Simon Ritchie, Sid Vicious, was on drums. That's crazy. Yeah. Which I'm sure back then it was just like, hey, can we get, yeah, Sid will cover drums for you, no problem. And now, now <laughs> we're like, holy shit, Sid Vicious, you know was the, technically the first drummer for Susie and the Banshees. Uh, they're still around, yes. They tour every now and then, still have uh, you know healthy following. And uh, November 13th, just a couple days ago, was actually the 40th anniversary of their debut album called Scream. Wow, that's yep. crazy. The timing on that's perfect. I know, right? And uh, trivia, I put down, you know, everybody knows her eyes. Uh, there's... If you see somebody that has a Susie and the Banshees patch on their jacket or their albums, they always have uh, focusing in on Susie Sue's eyes because of the, um, like I said, very intense eyes that kind of went along with her very intense vocals. So there you go, Susie and the Banshees. It's one artist I I, I liked what I heard uh, on the radio and stuff back when it was you know big, but mm-hmm. I never really got into her. No, I, not sure why, but I mean I like what I heard, but I just never kind of missed me for some reason well it was definitely in my wheelhouse of music what i was listening to at the time i was very you know like you guys determined for me i was never <laughs> metal i was new wave so. yes but uh yeah so then patrick yes who's your choice my choice is a band that i was actually introduced to by uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine in college and i thank her for that um you're welcome <laughs> concrete blonde um that's that's the name of the band in case oh Concrete Blonde. Um, it's one, another one of those bands that they've been there. A lot of their stuff has appeared in uh, in TV shows and movies and things like that. You know, it's, as just like parts of the soundtrack, never like a featured song or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like you, you recognize them here and there, and you know, but they don't. You know, 
uh, as you know, spoiler alert, they're not together anymore, so it's not like they produce they don't produce anything new. So it's just a lot of their old stuff that gets kind of cycled around. I like it when He Man covered them. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was for non blondes. Oh, was it? Oh shit! Yep. I'm sorry. I apologize, Concrete Blonde. <laughs> but uh, what I have down here, uh, favorite song is my personal favorite song is uh, "The Sky Is a Poisonous Garden." Um, it's the opening song from their Bloodletting album, which is their best album. But um, their most popular song is Joey. Um, not, uh, you're, you're playing the Sky's Poisonous Garden, right? Yeah, that's what I got. Joey's one of those songs that like, if you heard it, you'd be like, everybody would be like, oh, yeah, I know that song. I know that song. All right, well, here we go. But this is Sky's Poisonous Garden. With the dawn, they knew I dig it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to admit that uh, of the four bands from then, this is the one I know the least about, and it's the one I know the second least about from, like, all eight that we're talking about tonight. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm not actually sure I ever heard that song. Yeah. Uh, Jeanette, Napol- uh, Jeanette Napolitano uh, is the lead singer. I've always really liked her voice. Uh, she's got a very deep baritone voice, that, um, and she's got a... Uh, I just think she's got a very uh, soulful type voice. Um, she's the lead singer, and she started off the band um, as a bassist and lead singer with uh, James Mankey, who is the lead guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> what? I like to see the Mankeys at the zoo. <laughs> oh, what's better than what I thought you were going with? I thought you were going with like a stupid hanky joke. Oh, well, and Mankey's also a monkey-shaped Pokemon, so I thought maybe he'd be going that way. That's where I, yeah, that's the idea. That howdy ho. Yeah, but anyway, um, and Harry Rushikoff was the drummer. Um, he was replaced in the early 2000s, I think, like 2004, by Gabriel Ramirez. But they broke up, you know, soon after, so he had a pretty short run. Um, Alan Block was brought in after the, their first album to be the full-time bassist, so that Jeanette could just focus on singing alone. And an interesting little fact: um, Harry Rushikoff, the drummer, um, was a notorious uh, drug abuser. He was pretty much known for taking anything and everything. And they had several different issues with him. Uh, one of them being with the day that they were supposed to uh, record, or start recording bloodletting. He showed up just completely fucked up on heroin. <laughs> and they made him go to rehab. And uh, Paul Thompson, who was the drummer for Roxy Music, happened to be in the studio. And so for one studio album, Paul Thompson of Roxy Music was Concrete, Drum, Con- Concrete Blonde's drummer. Oh, neat. Yep. So it kind of worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they started, like I said, as, as a, a dream six, it was just the three of them. And while they were in the studio and they decided they wanted to change their name, they were trying to figure out, um, figure out what name they wanted. They were And they weren't happy with any of the names. And Michael Stipe of REM was in the studio and he stopped in and was hanging out with them and no being familiar with their, their work and everything and their songs. He said that, you know, they needed some kind of, juxtaposition type name to reflect the hard rock yet really uh deep lyrics that they had and he suggested concrete blonde and they went with it nice yeah i see that's another one of those things where it's like michael stipe these guys just hanging out roxy music just hanging out and they're not thinking anything about it 
Yeah. I mean, because it's just like, think about, you know, you know, you're a musician. What do you do? You just hang out at the studio. You know, if you're, if you're not like a, a huge name at the time and tour in the country and all that kind of stuff, or if you're off or doing whatever, I mean, it's, it's like a, like a, you know, an NBA player hanging out at a basketball court or a, mm-hmm. you, know, you hanging out, you know, like me hanging out in a poker room or whatever. It's just, it's just where you hang out, that kind of thing. And Championship eater hanging out in, at Nathan's. Kind of. They don't only eat Nathan's hot dogs. You understand that, right? Well, they eat Oscar Mayer and no, they, they, they can eat more than hot dogs. Don't don't, don't try and. But why would them. you? I, I... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yes, let's not let's not let's not pop this balloon for Joel right now. Oh, <laughs> you mean you mean the hot dog champion doesn't always eat hot dogs? He has a meltdown right in the movie. Chaka Khan. <laughs> But yeah, they were active uh, the 1982 to 95. They broke up for a little while, 2000 to 2004, and uh, Jeanette permanently retired them in 2004 until they reunited, as you know, you you always do. As you do. Yeah, in 2010, that was when they uh, when they came back with um, Gabriel Ramirez as their new drummer, and then 2012 they split up apparently for good. She's still touring on her own, but yeah, they they seem to be done. Nice. Yeah. All right. That's Concrete Blonde. I. Highly recommend them. Their music, I, I like their music a lot. I really, so, I like the sound. Yeah, and the, I mean, you got to listen. If you if you listen to them, their sound is great, and and their lyrics are pretty pretty cool. I like yeah. I like I like the lyrics a lot. She writes a good song. I'm sure you say Angel. Oh no, I was just I, I thought I was going to jump in, but I didn't want to. I mean to interrupt. It's okay, Joel. You can put your hand down. <laughs> uh, okay. Um. So for my pick, I. Went a little bit later um, than the first two, and I chose Veruca Salt, who uh, was big Chicago band and being, you know, in at college in Chicago at the time, kind of was a thing. But um, excuse me while I have to get back to my notes here. Yeah, um, Veruca Salt is the only band of these eight that I've seen live. Oh, hmm. yep. Which we were talking about earlier, actually. Um, but as far as the the, the songs go. Um, you know, they were pretty big on the radio um, with stuff. And most people will know Seether, of course, being one of their most popular songs. Um, uh, Victrola. Well, all from one of their best ones, but I don't know why that was like their most popular. Yeah, I, that, that whole first album, American Thighs, is kind of... I mean, it's it's decent, but they, they actually progressed quite a bit more and got better, you know, the, mm. the more they played, in my opinion. Mm. I liked Seether. <laughs> it's a good song. Um was uh, there a band named Seether also? Yes. Yes. That's where I'm getting. They confused. have a song named Veruca Salt. Huh. This is I'm deep. Not argue with them? They they don't. Because I don't think they do, but I don't know enough about the band to know one way or the other. Yeah, I can't really say for sure that they don't, but I'm pretty sure they don't. <laughs> they should. Well, Weezer and uh, Toto are getting together to cover that, so we can start a whole <laughs> new cycle. <laughs> um, but I my personal favorite uh well my favorite album of theirs is eight arms to hold you which was their sophomore album um which incidentally was the original title for the beatles revolver and uh i chose the morning sad oh that sounds right up your alley <laughs> oh <laughs> all right here we go morning sad that's what he calls morning sex <laughs> oh. morning sad oh <laughs> At least I'm having sex. Oh, uh, not I'm actually, but everybody's sad. I haven't in a while. <laughs> I right. have to make it feel bad. Now the music. Wake 
So as you can tell, uh, very much there. Um, the two leads, Louise Post and Nina Gordon, did a lot of harmonization, and um, it's they've got good hooks. Um, I, I think solid songwriting as a whole. It's very um, catchy, and uh, you know, not every song is, but you know, they go from kind of in your face to very pretty ballads, and uh, so it kind of cro- uh, covers a lot of different gamuts. Um, yeah, I'm gonna wait for this song to show up as a uh, sleeping aid commercial. Hey, you wake up and you didn't get enough sleep and your morning sad. <laughs> uh, uh, the band consists of Louise Post, who is the essentially the the leader of the band. Uh, Nina Gordon, who you've heard in the song. Uh, Jim Shapiro and Steve Lack. Um, they're named after the, of course, character from the Roald Dahl book, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, they were formed in Chicago by Louise Post and Nina Gordon. Uh, they were introduced through a mutual friend, Lily Taylor. Yes, that Lily Taylor. And began playing music together. Uh, they wrote songs for a year and a half before being joined by Gordon's brother, Jim Shapiro, on drums and Steve Lack on bass. Uh, they are still active. They uh, had a kind of not sacrimonious split. Is that the right use of that word? Acrimonious. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they had a they had a really bad split, um, and they both went on to record solo records um, simultaneously in 2000. Nina Gore, or I'm sorry, uh, Louise Post continued on as Veruca Salt and received, re- released an album called Resolver, which the very first song is a huge diss track, so to speak, um, towards Nina Gordon. And Nina Gordon went on to kind of do her own thing, and she wrote one song about it, but it's it's not nearly as harsh. Um, yeah, unfortunately, as we were talking about before the show, I saw them in 2000, so I did not uh, get to see them with Nina, and I I was actually a little annoyed at how bad they were, yeah. which was a shame because I was a real fan of the Louis and Nina Veruca Salt. So I got to see them live and was just like disappointed because Nina wasn't there. And it's interesting because like a lot of bands where there's two front people, you know, one has one style of songwriting and the other has another. And Nina is more the pretty kind of melodic and Louise is more the in your face kind of heavy but together they balance each other out, but separate their albums. If you listen to the two albums they released separately before coming back together, it's very clear um, who writes what. But uh, the last album, when they finally reformed with the original lineup after two albums separate, was Ghost Notes, which came out in 2015. Um, they are still active. They just did a Rock the Vote campaign this uh, this year, actually. And some trivia, uh, as I was kind of stating, the songwriting is shared between Gordon and Post, uh, though they... The two uh, seldom collaborate. They go off and write songs separately and then come together to sing. Um, so they aren't really you know, a songwriting duo, so to speak. And fun fact, which this I don't know how many people know this, but in the 90s, Post was in a relationship with Foo Fighters' Dave Grohl. Oh. Um, I don't know exactly how long they were together, but uh, Gordon has been said to say that the song uh, Everlong by Foo Fighters is about her. And following the breakup during an inebriated performance in Melbourne in 1997, which, like I was telling Josh, she had some issues, um, stated that Grohl had left her for Renona Ryder, which was later believed uh, to be referred to in the Verka song, uh, song Disconnected, which contains the lyrics, It's kind of scary when your lover leaves you for a movie star. In 2006, Post stated it was a private relationship, but it got so much publicity. I didn't mean for it to happen. I'm friends with them now, which is good that they're friends. That's good. Reconciliation. Yeah, it's kind of a interesting little. little yeah, a lot of baggage there that eventually worked its way out. <laughs> so that's Veruca Salt. There you go, Josh. 
Okay, yeah, my pick, I actually debated long what I was going to do for my pick, because I, I considered going with Courtney Love's Hole, but uh, one of the reasons I decided not to was because I didn't want to get into the whole Courtney and Kurt thing. <laughs> and, and the other thing is, is there was really one band that I go back to when I think of our whole concept of bands who are led by strong women. That's going to be hard. Not really a thing. I mean, she shot him. It's it's that's just all there is. Stop. Stop. I'm going to shock a con at you. Oh, all right. I'm done. <laughs> um, heart. I mean, from like Barracuda to my personal favorite song, uh, Crazy on You, which is uh, what we got queued up. Like, there's just a ton of hits. Like, I, I would put them definitely up at the top with the Runaways from these like 70s to 80s classic uh, bands led by women. I yeah. love Heart, but I will I will admit that I do not understand the appeal of Dog and Butterfly. Is that their side project? That's a song of theirs, Dog and Butterfly. <laughs> I was gonna say, have you ever tried it with Miracle Whip? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no! Now you know what it would have been great to see. I don't know if it ever happened, but to see the Runaways and Heart on stage together. Doing dog and butterfly? Yes, doing dog and butterfly. That's <laughs> it a, sounds it, like a yoga. I was gonna say it sounds like a yoga pose. It sounds like a cartoon from 1994. <laughs> yeah, but de- de- look up dog. I, I, dog and butterfly is a song because trust me, not not good. Well, it can't all be winners. I mean, not everybody. But this has, one is. Yes, it it's is. It's a winner. Crazy on you is a great song. How do I get you alone, Pat? <laughs> on, we got crazy on you coming up right now. As soon as I can get the volume going. Now, I had originally had queued up with the opening guitar solo, and then Josh mentioned that the opening guitar solo is about one-third of an almost five-minute long song. So Right. <laughs> yeah. There was definitely a time about ten years ago where this song was just like ever-present in my life between Nights Out Karaoke and the fact that it was a featured and fairly difficult track, and I think it was Guitar, guitar Hero 2. Oh, yeah. Might have been. It was either two or three. Yeah, well, I couldn't know, but I do remember trying to play this one, and there's a lot of talent in those sisters. I mean, the the voice, the the guitar, I mean, everything. They definitely have that, uh, you know, just that '70s soul for the rock, I guess. And one of the most infamous uh, rock and roll critic reviews was of this band. One a line that got a lot of flack for the writer. What? Yeah. Said, said this band is 40 pounds away from superstardom. Oh, yikes. Yep. That's he got, cool. he got a, a ton of backlash for that one. Well, and you got the lineup, uh, at least uh, the most recent lineup. You've got uh, Ann Wilson, Nancy Wilson, Ben Smith, Craig Bartok, Chris Joyner, and Dan Rothschild. But, like, the origins of this band are so weird. Like, they started without either of the Wilson sisters in them, a Seattle band named The Army. Uh, that changed its name to White Heart, which is where they eventually landed on the name Heart. But before that, they changed their name to Hocus Pocus. <laughs> oh. 
Uh, and uh, around the time they changed to Hocus Pocus is when they added Ann Wilson. Uh, and when her sister Nancy joined, that's when they kind of had their breakout as Hart. Um, they were still around just until very recently. They went on hiatus in 2016, so it can't quite say they're done, but they're not currently recording or touring. A uh, little bit of trivia from their whole evolution from uh, the Army. Um, one of the founding members of the Army was uh, guitarist uh, Roger Fisher. And uh, their breakout wasn't in the U.S. at all. They first found their success in radio play in Canada, pretty much strictly because uh, the original guitarist of the Army, who was still playing with them when they were Hocus Pocus, uh, met Ann Wilson at a Hocus Pocus show. Uh, she fell in love with him. And uh, sorry, she didn't fall in love with Roger. She fell in love with his brother, Mike. And she followed Mike back to Canada, which is where he had to live because he was hiding in Canada as a draft dodger. While playing for a band called the Army. Well, his brother was playing for <laughs> oh, a band called the playing. Army. <laughs> yeah, he, he traveled back to Seattle to visit his brother and met Anne at uh, Roger's show, Hocus huh. Pocus. And uh, eventually, Nancy, the reason I got a little twisted is because after Nancy joined the band, she got into a relationship with Roger. So you had two sisters in a relationship with two brothers, all connected to heart. You know who Nancy's married to now, right? I do. I was I was going to bring it up if you didn't. Go ahead. Cameron Crowe. Yep. Oh, neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got good taste in filmmakers. But yeah, so there's the... Uh... Have, have you guys seen the uh, the video of when Hart did uh, Stairway to Heaven with the orchestra backup and uh, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page were in the audience? It was their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Uh uh-uh. uh. Wow. I can't uh-huh. recommend it enough. That's not, I mean, that, once again, that's like another people being on stage that you just want to have on stage. I'm going to post that link in our chat because you definitely need to watch it. Definitely uh, throw it up on the Facebook page, too. Cool. Oh, good idea. So the people who are listening to us and not just looking at our Facebook page, our, our chat can can play, too. <laughs> it's the home version. Up themselves. All right. So when we come back, we are going to talk about. I, I keep wanting to say chick rock, and I hate saying that we're saying that phrase. Yeah, it's, there's not a real like non clunky way to talk about what we're talking. Yeah, bands with strong female leads. We'll stick with that. There you go. That'll be the acronym of the of week when we come back. So <laughs> yeah, we got four more bands and four more songs, and uh, we'll be back in a little bit. Okay, we are back talking about bands with strong female leads and uh, going to the now. Now, and uh, we had, we had a little bit of discussion initially on the now, what would constitute the now, because a lot of the bands that we talked about for the then are in the now still. Um, what was the one that we had? Are we had now now. No, we're now yeah, now. We had some weird ones that like are technically now, but like uh, cranberries or no doubt. Like, they cross over, but, like, Gwen Stefani is doing her own thing, which is very much not like the early No Doubt stuff. And, of course, Dolores died pr- very recently. Yeah. it's but put anything out. There's a lot of bands. I mean, it's it's a kind of an unhappy. I don't know so many bands that are still sticking around. But, uh, so, starting over with me, uh, there is a band out there called Florence and the Machine. And when you hear these, this, uh, this group, you're also going to understand my taste in like female music, uh, female singers with really deep, like like almost like Patrick's Concrete Blonde, 
The, oh, uh, I thought you meant like Patrick's voice. Yeah, like Patrick's voice. I like I like my females to sound like Patrick. <laughs> Is well, something don't we all. I would never have thought I was going to be saying in my life. But <laughs> uh, yeah, Florence and the Machine uh, recently came to fame uh, from Great Britain. They uh, started out. Let's see, the Florence Leotone Mary Welch is the lead singer for uh, Florence and the Machine. Uh, started out in around 2006. So uh, their name came from, there was Florence and Isa was of Florence and Isa. Isabel Machine uh, was also Florence Robot. So they had this whole like Isabel Machine and Florence Robot thing in Cotton College when they started up singing. And then they realized that Florence Robot is a machine was a lot to say, so they turned it to Florence and the Machine. So again, yeah, lots of changing of songs. So uh, yeah, the uh, current favorites. So that, so that explanation is supposed to make it better? Up, I don't even know. <laughs> They're, I mean, they they initially started off off as a private joke and then just turned to the name of their band. So. Uh, you more than likely have heard their songs before. My current favorite is probably the one that's played the most that you've ever heard. It's called The Dog Days Are Over. Mm-hmm. Hang on. And there we go. got a great voice i'm not familiar with them to be honest oh. for real yeah that, for real i'm actually amazed at that yeah my, i was gonna say they're they're a pretty big band my sister's a fan but i've never you know i tend to find stuff on my own so mm. <laughs> actually i tend to ignore my sister <laughs> <laughs> hey joel only likes it if other people don't true exactly <laughs> i know that's not true but the joke had to be made <laughs> it, it's better true sometimes but yeah no i'm impressed it reminds me of um uh i was trying to think of um well some Amy of the winehouse is the, the first name that comes to mind but that's not the person i was trying to think of but that kind of soulful almost uh old school jazzy Nora jones yeah we'll stick with amy winehouse um yeah, yeah, she's, she's been compared to like kate bush and tori amos before i could see kate bush yeah yeah for sure yeah, but uh, I mean the the band. I mean this is just a small section of it, but the once you get into the song, I mean she really can belt it out. Um, yeah, I mean that's probably their big radio song. Yeah, and because there's a ukulele in it, of course my daughter is learning <laughs> to sing it. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I uh, really 
good fun songs. I mean, really happy, even if she's singing about sad stuff. I mean, her voice itself is just very amazing. So definitely still around, definitely still touring. Um, trivia, Florence Welch uh, was actually a introvert and would tend to drink a little bit before she would get on stage until one day where she fell off the stage and broke her ankle. Oh, jeez. So she was like, maybe I'm not going to do that anymore. So, yeah. But uh, it's her and Isabella Summers are the two uh, that make up the front of this. Uh, but, yeah, uh, when not on tour with uh, Isabella, I mean, not on tour when Isabella blah, blah, blah. When Isabella is not on tour with Florence, uh, she produces and remixes tracks for Beyonce, Juliette Lewis, Iggy Azalea, Jasmine, Nas, Izzy Baru, just like a whole list of people where she does the uh, does the tracks for. So an eclectic blend too. I know, right? All the way down to like Jessica Simpson. It's <laughs> so, a really weird cross section. I like it though. Yeah. So there you go, Patrick. Who you got? I have a band uh, named after a New York catchphrase: the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. It's a cool choice. It's a real choice. cool choice. Yep, that's how they got their name. They decided to name them after that whole you know, Yeah 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 New York colloquialism. But, um, their style has been described, and this is in quotes, uh, by Craig McLean at the Times, an art rock trio who made an edgy post-punk dance floor friendly racket that mixed up Blondie with Susie and the Banshees. And I think that's a pretty good description. That's a, that's I com- yeah, I completely agree. Is this? Yeah, what's your familiarity with this one, Joel? I I, I know the IAS. I'm familiar. I do okay. not know these band, but now I'm interested. I, I, I have them on my uh, in my music. What? files and everything i i like them i don't know anything about them in particular um but i like their music so this was kind of an interesting little uh delve for me yeah this was for sure one that i was glad you picked because i didn't <laughs> <laughs> but i might have like had i not chosen what i chose i've got a lot of songs of theirs i could have picked but i decided to go with uh what i feel is a pretty good uh, representation of them it's a song called heads will roll Okay. So this is Heads Will Roll by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. I could definitely see the Blondie uh, crossover there. Yep. But this band is uh, fronted by Karen O. Um, and she and Brian Chase are the founding members. They were they met as uh, students in Oberlin College in Ohio in the 90s. Oh. Chase was a jazz student at the conservatory with the wrench. Sorry. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you don't hear the word conservatory very often. I got to take <laughs> No, you don't. Uh, Professor Plum. Uh, Karen then transferred to New York University, and while in New York, she met Zimmer in a local bar where they formed an instant connection. That would be Nick Zimmer, Zinner, sorry, Zinner, Zinner, the third member of the trio. During this time, they also shared a lot with future members of the band Metric, which I've never heard of. Anybody else heard of them? Yep. Here in the states, they're called Inches. Jesus. <sighs> yep. <laughs> That's our Joel. Yep. <laughs> These are the jokes, folks. No, you, you keep saying that, but you're wrong. Check God. 
the Sekakon. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to continue after that. All right. Um, yeah, the, interesting story about them. Um, they used to hang out with uh, with the White Stripes and with uh, – there was one other band I remember reading because uh, I was going through their history today. Um, the White Stripes and – I think it was the, the Killers. Black. Shut up, Joel. I think it was the Killers. <laughs> but anyway – um, What? The Killers would make sense. Yeah, it was, it, was a band, it was a band like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, Mike just added um, into the trivia here that their first ever gig was opening for the White Stripes. And that's because, you know, like I said, they, were, they used to hang out with them. Pretty cool. Nice. But that's the yeah, yeah, yes. Um, like I said, I like their music. I don't know a whole hell of a lot about them as a band, but I do have, you know, a couple of, you know, I have about, uh, I think, 14 songs of theirs. Yeah, I think you kind of summed it up really well with the, like, art rock with kind of a trash punk spin on it. Yeah. Yeah, you can kind of get that little bit of that snotty New York punk attitude, but with more of a kind of a new wave danceable thing happening. It's kind of an interesting blend. Like I said, it kind of matches well with the Killers if that's who they were hanging out with. But they're very, they're very popular uh, with the with the kids these days. <laughs> <laughs> with the kids, they've been around for a while though. I mean, I, I mean, I, I I remember hearing about them. I mean, it's been a bit. They're one of those bands that kind of gives you indie street cred if you like them. They're just popular enough that they're still cool. I'd say that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're not huge, but they're not underground. They're borderline. Um, so going to the, the band that I've never heard of, of the eight, <laughs> unsurprisingly from Joel. <laughs> so for my now, um, this is a band that I came across uh, a couple months ago, actually. And uh, when I went down a rabbit hole on the Veruca Salt Facebook page, when I was looking for music for the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, I sometimes will kind of pick a band that I like and just kind of see where it takes me. And uh, the name of the band is Charlie Bliss. They uh, were formed in 2014, so they're very new on the scene. Um, you probably they, haven't uh, heard of them. <laughs> so if you listen to my show, you've heard of them twice. Um, so I've never heard them. <laughs> <laughs> their full-length album and their EP have been on constant rotation um, in my car ever since I first heard them. I just fell in love. They're kind of a... If you took uh, Weezer and maybe a little bit of the Veruca Salt and um, there's one other band I was going to throw in there, but like if they had a baby, it's it kind of what it sounds like uh, my favorite song of theirs is the first song that i heard uh, it's called western mac it's a second track off of uh, guppy their full-length album they sound like a baby no never mind yeah oh guppy no he was doing a joke unfortunately it was a little too late i don't <laughs> want to roll over you it sounded like they had a baby so he's just like oh uh, yeah mm-hmm. none of us are proud of it but that's what it was yeah that, that, yeah i'm Let's still gonna blame on. joel about it <laughs> All right, so what's the name of the song? Charlie Wester, Wester, Wester Mark. Okay. Mac. Mac. Wester Mark. Wester Mac by Charlie Bliss. Right on.
think it's and you definitely definitely have like a vocal range that you prefer in your female singers yeah you <laughs> that is the first thing i thought when i heard them say it was like this is a joel song <laughs> <laughs> well, I like I like unique female vocalists, but I do like um, the kind of higher pitched, girly sounding like uh, Julian Hatfield esque. Um, Eva Hendricks is the singer that we're talking about, uh, the lead singer of the band, along with uh, Spencer Fox, Sam Hendricks, her brother, and Dan Shure, which I stole their origin directly off the website because I I it's just kind of funny. Uh, they started when Eva and guitarist Spencer Fox were both fifteen. They crossed paths um, at a Tokyo police club show in New York. Um, but according to them, the ties go deeper. Eva, uh, Sam is her older brother, and obviously they'd known each other their whole lives. And uh, Dan Schur and her dated when they were in their early teens. And then um, her and Spencer went to summer camp together. Dan and her broke up, and then he eventually became the bass player. And so that they all kind of get along so well because they've kind of been uh, friends and lovers for a very long time um and if you ever watch they've got a pretty much every song they do they've got a video for um and she's very kind of charismatic it's a lot of fun to watch their videos if you want to see some kind of fun upbeat goofy videos uh, you should go dig them up on youtube they are still active uh the only full-length release they have so far is guppy which came out in 2017 they just released a new song called heaven uh they're on tour right now actually with uh, they were with Death Cab for Cutie for a while, hmm. um, but they just debuted that. Um, some trivia on the band: uh, in 2014, they released a three-song EP called Soft Serve, uh, which was uh, came along with a, a three-part music video, which was one of the things I was talking about, and a comic book trilogy. Huh. With it. Um, Soft it, Serve was coldly received. <laughs> it's kind of fun because like the the first song is her singing, the second song is her, and. Uh, one of the guys singing and then the third song is the guy singing and it's kind of this it's uh it's a love story i guess is the best way to describe it um and then the last thing which i thought again kind of wrapped up nicely with my first choice they have opened for uh sleater kenny which is one of the bands i was debating to pick a uh, wolf parade and brooke salt hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah i I think i'm gonna check them out if only to make up my mind because from that short clip i couldn't tell whether i think i was gonna like really get into them or if i hate them <laughs> like they definitely made me feel something so it was an interesting choice it raised the hackles when yeah we i was like I, I i don't know if i'm gonna really get into them or if i'm gonna find them intensely annoying and there's like no middle ground well they're the first song on the album uh percolator uh it won some awards actually it's one of the the kind of breakout songs of of this last year so I'm going to check it out and decide which way it's going to go. I will uh, throw this out there now that if they keep going the way that they are right now with the press they're getting, um, you know, they might actually be somebody that you might hear from later on. You can say, I heard him here first. Uh, You've been known to make that claim correctly before. So yeah, you were the one that predicted smashing pumpkins. I remember that. Merry Christmas. What? (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I like music. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I gave you the slightest bit of praise. I'll, I'll not do it again. <laughs> For both of you. He doesn't know how to react. He's like, what? He's like, happy Hanukkah. <laughs> See you guys cutting me off at the knees. So, hang on. You want you want to get back in line here, Joel? Your music yeah. sucks. <laughs> there you go. See. There you go. All right. Feel better now. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna close this out <laughs> in uh, our final of eight. 
with uh, Evanescence. Definitely, I, I, I went back and forth on which band to go with, but I definitely a lot of my music tastes as I've gotten older have drifted in a uh, riding the line between goth and alt rock. Uh, there's a lot of the bands that I'm really into uh, are kind of straddling that line. And Evanescence is one of the bigger bands who, mm-hmm. who lives right there. And this is the band that I'm glad you picked because I want, I was really wanted Amy Tam to be on here. Oh, okay. So if, if I, I hadn't picked it, you'd w- have wished you had, if you hadn't picked it, I would have picked it up. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Well, yeah, you've got uh, Amy Lee, uh, I also want to mention Ben Moody, who's not with Evanescence anymore, but Amy Lee and Ben Moody founded Evanescence. But the current lineup is Amy Lee, Tim McCord, Will Hunt, Troy McLawhorn, and Jen Majura. And uh, I'm going to go with an incredibly obvious song uh, for my favorite, uh, My Immortal. Right on. Here we go. I've never heard it. Just kidding. Yeah. It's hard to not want to finish that off. Yeah, okay. no kidding. You guys were all like sarcastic. Like I'm, I've, I don't think I've ever heard this song. Really? For real? What? Yeah. What? What's? What is this? Like, did this get radio play or something? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, I don't a ton of it. I think. One. I think this one was actually on the um, Daredevil movie, wasn't it? Didn't see the Daredevil movie. Yeah, the video I mean, for that was huge. Yeah, I've never. Seen, I've never heard this song. Are you, are you familiar with the band? I mean, at yeah, least yeah, I, I know Evanescence. I mean, I was going to say, you've at least heard Bring Me to Life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm familiar with them. I'm not like, I, I got a couple songs, you know. Yeah, uh, how they got together, uh, Evanescence was founded by, like I said, Ben Mooney and Amy Lee in 94. They met at a Christian youth camp in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um are Moody there? heard Lee playing meatloaf on the piano. So they're immediately like, Hey, let's, let's get together and play music. And, uh, they started playing in coffee shops in little rock and, uh, decided to officially form a band. And they went back and forth with different names, childish intentions stricken. And they landed on evanescence, uh, from the word evanesce, which means to disappear. So evanescence means disappearance. Uh, they're absolutely still around, even though the last couple of years, uh, Amy Lee has been doing more stuff on her own than with Evanescence. A hmm. uh, little bit of trivia. This I found really interesting. Uh, Lee wrote a song for the 2005 film, The Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the first one, and they rejected it because it was too dark. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprised at that at all. But no, they're, um, didn't, Refresh my memory. Didn't uh, what's his name? Was it Ben Moody who got sick? One of them. I think one of the one of the members of the band got really sick, and they took a took a break for a while. That may have been Moody, because yeah, he's 
not with the band anymore. Yeah, I know one of them. And they kind of dropped off the uh, face of the earth around 2012 and then came back in 2015. Okay. And they've had a lot of uh, a lot of members. Another one of those where it's like you got your front couple, but uh, you know a lot of others that r- roll in, including. Yeah, I'm looking to see what he was sick with. I know that I know that something happened. Like he had like. It also could have been uh, uh, original lineup uh, Terry Balsamo, because Terry Balsamo oh. was replaced by Jen Majura. There was a big question before their kind of comeback in 2015 whether Evanescence would even continue between uh, Balsamo leaving the band and Amy Leake uh, focusing on a lot of solo stuff. Maybe, but no, the. Um... Evanescence, I mean, some great songs. The Call Me When You're Sober uh, is one of my favorites from them also. So, oh, uh, no, he... Bring Me to Life's another one. Yeah, Bring Me to Life. That Basalmo, he had a stroke in 2005. Oh, jeez. Yes. Not that old, is he? I mean, No, he wasn't that old. (laughs) He had a blood clot in his neck because he apparently was headbanging a lot on stage. Yikes. They said you gave yourself a blood clot because you had banged too much and had a stroke because of it. And that's Damn. I remember that because they kind of dipped out of the out of the uh, spotlight for a little bit and then they came back afterwards. So that's yeah, guy rocks hard. I was uh, checking to see what the circumstances under Ben Moody leaving since he was one of the original members. And mm-hmm. uh, apparently he just like bailed mid tour in 2003. Oh, geez. That's crazy. Huh. I'm out. He's evanescenting. Yeah, he yeah, disappeared. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. <clears throat> Interesting. All right. Well, some good bands. Some I've never heard of. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> Gotta always throw you a curveball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if uh, there's someone huge, I'm sure that somebody out there has got, is like cursing at us about how did you not talk about whoever. Let us know who that whoever is. Give us a call. 708 now rap. That's 708 669 9727. Yeah. Please, we'd like to know if you if there's a band out there that you know of that we for some reason or another you think we don't know, give or Joel might not even know. Who? Uh, yeah, give us a ring. Uh, our older stuff: iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, iHeartRadio, and Podchaser. Leave us a review. We always like seeing uh, your guys' reviews and seeing what you like about us. Call us and tell us what you hate about us. <laughs> Zero out of five. Did not mention Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. <laughs> Would not recommend. So, uh, Joel, what are we doing next week? Uh, collections. And not the calls that you get annoying you because they want money, but, uh, you know, movies, <laughs> toys, you know, collections. Damn it, Joel. What? <laughs> Nothing. You just blew my couch gag for next week out of the water. <laughs> B12. You suck my couch gag. Anyway, yes, we're talking about the collecting things. Nice. So, yeah, collections that we had back then. Patrick collected and still does toenails. Ew. Not his own. No, definitely not his own. (laughs) Oh, that would be creepy. (laughs) You can can find Patrick living under the uh, desks at your local library. (laughs) So, yeah, so come back next week when we talk about collections and things that we got lots of. Podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, Joel collects podcasts. We collect dead podcasts. I collect collections. Yeah. Want to see my collection of collection letters? God. Now it's getting depressing. (laughs) Good night.
You're Isaac. That makes Mike Captain Stubing. Why? Because <laughs> you're our captain. We're captain Stubing, the African explorer. Wait, what? <laughs> captain Spalding, but you know. Captain Stubing didn't have his own song unless you count the Love Boat theme song. The Love Boat. Da, 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 da. Something, and something exciting and new. <laughs> I want to be Doc Bricker. <laughs> I want to be Julie. No. Okay.